I am Dr. Fernandez Falcón, and this is the Clinic Podcast. Today we're going to discuss insomnia. Both articles we'll use to discuss this topic were chosen by our Behavioral Health Center colleagues. So, definition. The JAMA article refers um, that insomnia is dissatisfaction with sleep quantity or quality that is associated with difficulty falling asleep or maintaining sleep or early morning awakening that has to be at least three nights per week for at least three months. And it's not better explained by the use of substances or medications or by another disorder. And only when the individual has adequate opportunity for sleep. And it refers to acute insomnia as opposed to chronic insomnia or chronic insomnia disorder when this is less than three months. So again, dissatisfaction with the sleep quantity or quality associated with difficulty either falling asleep, maintaining sleep or early morning awakening for at least three, three. So three nights per week for at least three months. That is not better explained by the use of substances or medications or by another disorder and only when the individual has adequate opportunity for sleep and it will be acute if it's less than three months on the afp article it's a little different and it refers to chronic insomnia as difficulty with initiating or maintaining sleep so that would be quantity like in the other article the jama article then the AFP says also, or of experiencing non-restorative sleep, which will be, like in the JAMA article, quality of sleep. It goes on to say that uh, it should cause daytime impairment and it should be at least one month. So this is a big difference with the JAMA article from the AFP article, which is three months, three months for the JAMA article one month for the AFP article. So the difference now between chronic and acute will be for the JAMA article, acute insomnia will be less than three months. For the AFP article, acute insomnia will be less than one month. The AFP article then terms insomnia in primary and secondary, which is similar to when the JAMA article says only when this disorder is not better explained by. So the AFP article is a little more, more specific about that. So it terms primary as uh, insomnia not caused by another sleep disorder or an underlying psychiatric or medical condition or a medication or substance use or abuse disorder and secondary as an insomnia caused by any of those. Going a little deeper on that, in the AFP article there is table one that refers to causes of secondary or comorbid insomnia and I'm just gonna um, list them um, anxiety, asthma, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, congestive heart failure, depression, fibromyalgia, gastroesophageal reflux disease, hyperthyroidism, medications, which I will go into in a second in the table two, menopause, obstructive sleep apnea, pain, 
Periodic Lip Movement Disorder, Pruritus, Restless Leg Syndrome, and Urinary Incontinence. Um, as the medications that they list in Table 2 that may cause insomnia, alcohol, antidepressants, and in particular SSRIs and bupropion, beta blockers, caffeine, chemotherapy agents, which are not all of them but selected chemotherapy agents, simetidine, diuretics, herbal remedies, also not many but selected ones, illicit drugs, again, a few, not all of them, nicotine, phenytoin, pseudoephedrine, steroids, stimulant laxatives, and theophylline. So going again into those causes of secondary or comorbid insomnia, to simplify it a little bit, I will say medications as a general thing, and then conditions that will um, impair the onset of sleep which will be anxiety, depression, both from repetitive thoughts that may impair the onset. Also, um, situations with, in general, has pain, which can uh, either impair you from uh, the onset of sleep or the maintenance of sleep. And those are gonna be um, fibromyalgia, um, in general, osteoarthritis pain, um, then neurological conditions that can impair also the onset and the maintenance of sleep, which will be the periodic limb movement disorder and the restless leg syndrome. Um, conditions that will wake you up, so impair maintenance will be urinary incontinence, um, gastroesophageal reflux disease, because it could actually cause cough or uh, symptoms overnight that can wake you. Now a few words on uh, importance of these uh, diagnoses. Um, mainly from the AFP article, um, insomnia says results in high health characterization with direct and indirect cost of 77 to 92 billion annually. And 30% um, of the general population have symptoms. 10% have associated daytime functional impairment, which is one of the elements for the diagnosis on this article. So 10% of the general population, we're talking about the incidence on real diagnosable insomnia. But the important thing is 50% of these patients will not report to you. And um, also another consideration will be um, elderly patients which have an increased risk because they have age-related changes in the sleep physiology that are decreased sleep efficiency and um, decreased amount of deep sleep and increased sleep latency. So they have more time until they fa uh, fall asleep. And they have also circadian rhythm disturbances that cause earlier bedtimes and uh, wake times. So Overall again, so we remember, every 10 patients that you see, one of the patients is likely to have insomnia, but will not report, half of these patients will not report. So to actually have the report, you probably need to see 20 patients 
and you're already missing one when you diagnose one. So just be aware of that other one that you're missing. The JAMA article talks at one point about measurement-based assessment, and when it's uh, doing that, it brings up an excellent point, which is you should obtain history from both the patient and the bed partner. And it actually lists two um, clinical tools that can be used and will take two to three minutes to feel either at home or uh, at your office. And those are the Insomnia Severity Index and the Consensus Sleep Diary. Now, both articles, when they are uh, referring to treatment, um, agree on um, that the American College of Physicians, the ACP, recommends cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, the CBTI, as the initial treatment for the chronic insomnia disorder. So again, going back for the JAMA article, more than three months, and again, the three, three rule, the three times per week for more than three months. But for the um, AFP article, it would be more than one month. The same rule applies for the times a week, so it's three times a week. So going into detail in the treatments, the CVTI, or the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy for Insomnia, it's a multimodal treatment. It's a... Uh, it includes education, which is typically healthy sleep practices and expectations. It uh, includes stimulus control instructions and time in bed restrictions and relaxation training. It was seen to um, produce reliable and durable benefits in 70 to 80% of the patients. And it was shown to reduce the use of sedatives. It should be delivered by trained therapists and by self-guided, fully automated online programs if uh, trained therapists are not uh, available. Those programs are Shuri, Sleepio, and there are others. Um, it was seen that this uh, therapy has moderate to large effects uh, on the outcomes that are of interest, um, which are typically time to fall asleep the continuity of the sleep and the restfulness of the sleep. And the AFP article goes a little bit deeper and um, refers that um, the therapy, the CVTI, consists of four to eight, six to 90 minutes sessions to educate patients about sleep practices. And um, specifies that in meta-analysis of 59 trials in 2,102 patients, Psychological interventions, averaging five hours of therapy time, uh, were able to show changes in sleep latency and time awake after sleep onset. The sleep latency was decreased by 43%. 30% decrease with pharmacotherapy alone was seen, so better than pharmacotherapy by kind of like a half, 50% better. And the most important is that the clinical improvements were actually maintained over time and were superior to pharmacotherapy for the sleep onset insomnia. I will not go into details, but for list the CVT techniques because we will have on the behavioral podcast um, our colleagues from the Behavioral Health Center uh, going into detail about uh, these strategies. But I will just say that the CVT techniques 
include cognitive therapy, sleep hygiene education, stimulus control, sleep restriction, paradoxical intention, and relaxation therapy. So six components to it. The sleep hygiene education, that is one uh, of the things that we typically uh, start doing as primary care physicians in uh, our practices. Um, there is um, table three on the AFP article that refers to um, avoid caffeine and nicotine, avoid exercise, avoid large meals in the evening, avoid taking naps, go to sleep and wake up at the same time each day, keep the bedroom at a comfortable temperature, uh, make it as dark as possible, and set aside time to relax before bed. And finally, um, the second cognitive behavioral treatment that is listed on the JAMA article, which is the Brief Behavioral Treatment for Insomnia, or BBTI, will be also described by our Behavioral Health Center colleagues, and it seems to be their preferred strategy. And it's derived from the CBTI, and it's delivered in a single initial session with two to three brief follow-up visits in person or by telephone if um, you have that resource. And it includes uh, four behavioral interventions that attempt to improve sleep consolidation by increasing the sleep drive, reinforcing sleep regularity, reducing arousal, and increasing associations between bed and sleep. These uh, four strategies are reduce the time in bed to match the actual sleep duration, get up at the same time every day regardless of the sleep duration, do not go to bed unless sleepy, and do not stay in bed unless asleep. And finally for the pharmacological treatment. Um, most appropriate for patients with acute insomnia, so less than three months, and that is for the JAMA article. Um, it has to be used as an adjunct to cognitive behavioral treatment for the patients with chronic insomnia disorder, so more than three months, and this is all the JAMA article. There is a lower level of evidence because of industry sponsorship and other risk of bias, and small sample size, limited duration of follow-up, limited clinical relevance. Um, the example for that is the comparison with placebo rather than an active pharmacologic um, drug or an intervention. Um, benzodiazepines and benzodiazepine receptor agonist, melatonin receptor agonist like rameltheon and tricyclic uh, drugs like doxepine and the orexine receptor antagonist Surborexent are U.S. Food and Drug Administration approved prescription medications for insomnia. Agents with short elimination half-lives are preferred to longer-acting drugs to avoid daytime sedation. Intermittent dosing three to four times a week may reduce exposure and long-term use. In regards to particular drugs, doxepine, three to six milligrams is appropriate for sleep maintenance insomnia and may be particularly helpful in patients with contraindications to benzodiazepine and benzodiazepine receptor agonist drugs. Um, Suboric scent 
improves sleep maintenance, insomnia, symptoms with little evidence of tolerance. Rameltion is most appropriate for sleep onset insomnia symptoms. Um, antihistamines, um, those are the fenhydramine and doxylamine are FDA approved for insomnia, uh, but evidence uh, regarding their efficacy and safety is not robust. And we have a variety of other drugs commonly used to treat insomnia, but these are not FDA approved for the indication. Um, those not FDA approved for the indication, but used commonly are low doses of the sedating antidepressant drugs like trazodone and mirtazapine. Uh, also sedating antipsychotic drugs like olanzapine and ketiapine. But these are only recommended for patients with appropriate psychiatric diagnosis. Uh, there are complementary and alternative agents, including melatonin and valerian, but um, they also have no sufficient rigorous uh, data to recommend their use. To finalize, um, in the JAMA article, there is a table that says steps in a pragmatic approach to the treatment of insomnia disorders. And um, it goes as uh, follows. Step one will be evaluation. Evaluate sleep and daytime symptoms on comorbid conditions and then optimize treatment of comorbid conditions. So that step basically focus on does the patient really have daytime symptoms? And can I do something about the comorbid conditions? The step two refers to the initial treatment and for acute insomnia, uh, it considers short acting hypnotic agents like temazepam or solpidem three to four nights a week for three to four weeks and then taper and discontinue. This is done to avoid continuous exposure to these drugs which could create issues for titration. And then for chronic insomnia, in this step two, which is the initial treatment, um, the goal is to implement cognitive behavioral interventions. And again, those are gonna be the CVTI and the BBTI as described before. And these will be described in, in more detail at our podcast, uh, the behavioral podcast by our colleagues of the Behavioral Health Center. Step three will be evaluate response and treatment. So we have to evaluate the sleep and then daytime symptoms response to whatever treatment we instituted, which at this point could be either short acting hypnotics um, or cognitive behavioral therapy. And there are two options basically. If there are continued symptoms with cognitive behavioral intervention, we have to consider combined treatment and choose an appropriate drug for sleep onset or sleep maintenance, depending on what the symptoms are. And this is a time in which the initial consideration of what type of association we had with the diagnosis, which was three uh, options, we were three options, which were basically either uh, difficulty starting sleep or difficulty maintaining sleep or early uh, morning waking, 
So depending on those, we have to choose a drug that is appropriate for either the onset or the maintenance of sleep. The other option, when step three, when considering the response and the consequent treatment will be if there are continuous symptoms with pharmacotherapy, you have to consider switching the class of hypnotic. Um, switch from any of the class. So the classes to remind everybody, benzodiazepine, benzodiazepine receptor agonist, two other classes, uh, like low doses of uh, sedating antidepressant drugs, like trazodone or mitazapine, or sedating antipsychotic drugs, but only if the patients have the appropriate psychiatric diagnosis. Or consider choosing complementary or alternative agents like melatonin and valerian. Um, the step four, again, evaluate the response. And if symptoms continue, you have to reevaluate the diagnosis. So the step four will be just to reevaluate the diagnosis and see if we have properly diagnosed the condition. And basically to find out if there is uh, some secondary, um, some reason for secondary insomnia that we have not considered. And the step five will be for treatment resistance insomnia disorder, um, refer to a sleep specialist for evaluation or of other sleep-wake disorders, including sleep apnea. Um, the last step, the step six, will be monitor for sequelae of these uh, disorders, which are depressive or anxiety disorder, substance use disorder, or neurodegenerative disorders. So again, to go back on the steps in the pragmatic approach to treatment from the JAMA article, step one, evaluation, step two, initial treatment, step three, evaluate the response, step four, evaluate the response, basically to reevaluate if the diagnosis is the correct diagnosis or if we are having a true secondary uh, insomnia. Step five, treatment resistant insomnia, referral to the sleep specialist. Step six, monitor either when we have solved the problem for long-term um, sequelae or if we have not solved the problem for long-term treatment response monitoring. Um, in particular, step three, when you evaluate the response for the first time after the initial treatment, that will be drugs. Remember to consider the two options. Either you have continued symptoms with cognitive behavioral interventions and you have to go for combined treatment, or you have continued symptoms with pharmacotherapy and you have to switch the class of hypnotic. I sincerely hope this podcast helps your practice. Keep changing the world one patient at a time. Goodbye.